Hello and welcome to Want to Grow On, a show where we dig into questions about agriculture and try to understand how food production impacts us and our world. My name is Hallie Casey and I studied and currently work in agriculture. And I'm Chris Casey, Hallie's dad, and I don't know anything about it. Each episode we pick an area of agriculture or food production to focus on, and this week we're talking about agro-tourism. Yes, agritourism. What do you know about agritourism, Dad? Let's go visit a farm. Let's go visit a farm. Let's go visit a farm today. Is this a song you made up or one that exists outside in the in the global canon? Right off the cuff, baby. Wow. Great great work, Dad. Thank you. It's all that years of improv training paying off finally. TM, TM, TM. Nobody take Dad's cool farm song. There you go. So, yeah, it's just like uh, going to a farm as a tourist. I think once your mom and I visited a dairy farm in the Netherlands and bought a lot of really good cheese, and it was delicious. Did you? I did not know that. We did. Um, They made some really good Gouda there, and we got some plain Gouda and some Gouda made with nettles and some Gouda made with garlic, I think, and they had a bunch of other stuff, too. That sounds amazing. Yeah, so the definition for agritourism um, or an agritourism farm is a commercial enterprise at a working farm, ranch, or agricultural plant conducted for the enjoyment of visitors that generates supplemental income for the owner. So that last piece is often like where the impetus really comes from, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But this can include things like hunting, fishing, riding, um, festivals, classes, tastings, there's, uh, I mean, you picks is a really common one. We did that when I was a kid. Um, you can stay on a farm. A lot of farms will do like an Airbnb or something like that. There's farms here in town that do like birthday parties or like weddings and stuff like that. But to your earlier point, this is a, not necessarily a primary source of income, but it's something they can do for a little extra money. Yeah, this is a functioning farm that is growing food of some kind or some other product and then is also doing these tourism activities as like a side hustle, basically. The great corn maze craze. Exactly. Exactly. This has actually been going on for a long time. Back in like the 1890s, there started being like guest ranches uh, where people could come and like stay on a ranch and feel like a cowboy. So it says here, you know, they gave people that Old West feeling. I think in the 1890s, how far back do you have to go to actually be in the Old West? I don't... Right. I think in the 1890s, it was just like a West feeling, and eventually that became old. Okay. But like, we still have that today. Like, you can go and stay on a dude ranch in Wyoming, and it's pretty modern. You know, it's not like you're dressing up in old-timey clothes. You're just getting that kind of West feeling, that that feeling of, of being out on a, on a large ranch in a mountainous state. It's true. I stayed on a dude ranch as a kid in uh, Colorado. It was a lot of fun. I think, I think it was, you know, I think for them being the dude ranch was their primary source of income, but uh, it was still a cool place to cool place to be. Yeah. So this became a lot more popular after World War One. Um, people started having cars. We got highways. People could drive a lot easier out to rural places. Um, it became a really big thing in Italy, and it still is a really big thing in Italy um, as Italian farmers kind of left the the countryside as it you know became harder to to farm and make that viable 
the idea of like the idyllic Italian countryside grew and the tourism grew alongside that. So that part, that tourism part is a really significant part in Italy and other parts um, of the world. Very, It's very geographically dependent, based a lot around like the, the narrative and the cultural idea of, a, of an area. So like Napa is another good example of an area where that tourism part is like a really huge part um, sometimes more so than the agro part of the portmanteau. I mean, who wouldn't want to spend a few nights in the Italian countryside? That sounds pretty great. Right. Totally. Yeah, there is an estimate that there are between nine and 20,000 agritourism farms and ranches in Italy. The U.S. Uh, current estimates only put it at 10,000. So Italy is a much smaller country than the U.S., and they have a lot of these agritourism farms and ranches. Well, let's see. Am I going to stay on a farm in the Italian countryside or on a farm in West Texas? I mean, that's pretty <laughs> easy call right there. I stayed on a farm. Well, it wasn't really a farm. I stayed on someone's land one time in uh, West Texas, and I got like, I got like, it, I, it wasn't really attacked. We got like herded by some javelinas. Did I tell you that? Oh, boy. No, that sounds terrifying. It was weird. I mean, we were inside of a tent, but they just like started running around our tent in like the nighttime. It was extremely strange. You didn't have 30 to 50 of them on your front lawn that you had to shoot? (laughs) No. Does anyone remember that reference by this point? I don't know. Anyway. I remember that meme. I love a javelina meme. (laughs) There should be more javelina memes. Indeed. Javelina don't get enough love. Agreed. So we've mentioned corn mazes. We've mentioned like ranch stays and farm stays. Um, You also have U-picks, which is basically where you travel out to a farm and you hand harvest your own food. I've done this with strawberries and peaches in the past. Would 100% recommend doing it for peaches. Those were some of the best peaches I've ever had in my life. Incredible. That does sound pretty delicious. Where did you do the peaches? Was that out in Fredericksburg? That was in California, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, real California peaches. We talked about wine tasting. Um, You can find that in the U.S. in a lot of different regions. Um, That particularly is becoming like a really attractive way to differentiate your your market um so there's like the development of like this you know the vermont wine scene and like the texas wine scene is becoming a thing um so like wine tasting is becoming a much bigger thing in agritourism in the u.s um you also have things like hay rides corn mazes i one time worked on an agritourism farm and we had a petting zoo and we had hay rides and uh a corn maze or a hay maze technically and i was in charge of the the pony rides and let me tell you I did not enjoy that. Did you ever get lost in the hay maze? I didn't. Um, we did have to like sometimes go in and find people who had like had a hard time getting out. Right. Um, yeah, but I just like could never assert my dominance over this pony, so she would step on my feet all the time. It was a real pain. Oh, pony didn't like you. Ponies don't like anyone. Ponies are not nice. You know. When you were growing up, we had a neighbor that had a pony, and it seemed perfectly affable. We had a neighbor who had a pony. Yeah. What? We had a pony. No, we had a neighbor like down the street. They were out walking it down the street. Down one the day. street. Yeah, I think we didn't know them real well. I think they were kind of like rich jerks, but you know they had a pony. Pony down seemed the st- fine. Yeah. What, Dad? We lived in the city. We lived like in the city. Did we did. What are you talking? What? What? Correct. What? Correct. And there was a pony down the street. Yes. In this, in the city, in the suburban 
neighborhood in which we lived, we had a neighbor down the street who had a pony at their house. You are understanding me fully. That is what I said. I do not think I am. <laughs> I don't think I'm understanding anything fully. It is but true. Also, like, there was a there was a pony out at the ranch that yes. uh, your mom like had, and that was not a nice pony. Uh, really? Yeah, she was a bit of a jerk. Snuffy? No, oh. Snuffy was a horse. Melody was the pony. Oh, okay. Well, you know. I'm taking my stance. I'm saying ponies is jerks. If you have a great pony, please send us cute pony pictures. There you go. Animal, animal's gonna animal, you know? Can't control animals. Animals are gonna animal. <laughs> so the other big uh, agro-tourism thing that we haven't really talked about is woofing. Do you know about woofing? <laughs> I'm almost afraid to ask. I mean, obviously, it's a thing that dogs do. You know, they go woof. But I'm guessing that's not what this is. Take a stab in the dark. Woofing. Is it going outside at night and howling at the moon? Or is it like I wish cow tipping? That would be great. What was the second thing you said? Or is it like cow tipping? <laughs> it's not cow tipping. Cow tipping is not a thing. Is it, I wish it was like... Is it throwing cow patties at each other? That's another great, great guess. No, woofing is worldwide opportunities on organic farms. Oh. That is the woof. So basically it's a community where you can get connected to go volunteer on a farm somewhere in the world. I have met so many people who that's how they got into the agriculture sector, particularly in like the regenerative, sustainable agriculture area in which I live. That's how a lot of people find their way into ag is by woofing. So you can woof like, <laughs> Sorry. in the name. It says, <laughs> it's a weird word. <laughs> it is a weird word. It sounds, I mean, do you get to whitewash their fence for them too? Yeah, it's a lot of, yeah. Yeah. I, so I guess, you can woof any. Yeah, go ahead. I guess if that's what you really want to do, then then go for it. I mean, I hear that and I think, oh boy, it's a way for farms to get free labor. But, you know, if somebody really wants to go do that, yeah, go make yourself happy. It is definitely a way for farms to get free labor. No beans about it. Um, you can woof anywhere in the world. I know people who've woofed here in the U.S. I know people who've woofed in South America, in Africa, in Europe. Um, you can woof on urban farms. Oftentimes you're woofing on rural farms. Part of the appeal for folks doing it with woofing, sometimes it's like, oh, I wonder about farming. You know, maybe you're, you know, down the down the homesteading path or the hippie path, and you're like, I wonder what it would be like to run a small farm or to grow my own food. So you can go and like voyeur into someone's life. Um, and, like, get a little bit of experience of, like, what it actually is like to do that work. Sometimes people just want to, like, get away from it all and, like, go connect with the land. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people do it, like, right out of college. Uh, it's kind of just, like, a, a really inexpensive way to travel because if you're, like, staying on a farm, then you could, you know, take the weekend off or take a couple days off and then just go travel around and you're not usually paying any money back to the farm you're providing a little bit of labor and so if you're young dumb and full of you know just great ambitions to see the big wide world uh having you know meals and room and board in exchange for for labor is usually can, can be appealing to some folks absolutely so that's kind of that's kind of the woofing situation all right cool so i mentioned there are like ten thousand ish 
farms that are doing this. It's kind of a weird number to calculate because in most states you don't really have to register your agritourism uh, business. Some some places you do, but not all. Uh, the number one reason that's like listed uh, by people going to these agritourism spots is to see the rural scenery. Number two is learning more about where their food comes from. We love to see that. Yeah, and that's got to be a great education for some people, as we know. For sure. For sure. Currently, agritourism is valued at $7.45 billion globally. That's a bigger pie than I would have thought. I know. Honestly, me too. And it is expected to continue to grow. Catherine, uh, our producer, found this really interesting case study that was for the Carlsbad flower fields in like San Diego County, like Southern California. Do you know about these flower fields? No, I've heard of Carlsbad Caverns, but I don't think those are in California, are they? No, this is different. Okay. It's it's kind of similar to like if you've seen the landscapes of like tulips in the Netherlands where it's just these fields of flowers that are just endless. I've been there and they are beautiful. To the Netherlands, not to Carlsbad to clarify. Correct. And I've seen the tulips and the tulips were amazing. Well, if you liked that, you can head to Southern California, see some more. Catherine found this uh, case study from UC Davis that found that these flower fields brought in $600,000 in additional revenue. And because of that, over $2 million in direct spending in the Carlsbad area was also generated. So it's great for, you know, capitalism, bringing in dollars to the local economy and all that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. It's great business for the farm that needs more money, and it's a great benefit to the local economy total. For sure, yeah. Um, For farms, sometimes you can have, like, more of an issue with liability, especially depending on, like, what services you're offering. So if it's just, like, a U-pick and people are coming out for, like, two hours, then it's less than if, like, they book the, you know, whole farm out for a wedding or a birthday party or their airbnb somewhere where you have a little bit more of a duty of care so you can have, like, some liability issues. Um, but there's no national laws regulating agritourism or anything like that. Some states do have laws um, just, like, having people register. Um, I think there are some, some states where you have to, like, be a little bit more diligent Um, In Texas, you just have to put a sign up saying, like, you are acknowledging risk because this is a working farm and that, you know, the farmer is exempt from all liability resulting, you know, from being here. It can complicate zoning codes and stuff like that. But generally, legally, there's not a lot of regulation. There's no accounting for being herded by javelinas. (laughs) Exactly. I would imagine this has an impact on local traffic as well. I mean, it can, but if you're in a rural area, I mean, there's not a lot of traffic to begin with. I think parking is more often the question. Right. But maybe if you have a big wedding party or something like that, you got people coming out. Well, speaking of parties, should we go do a party in the break? Yeah. Let's go <laughs> party in the break now. 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 Welcome to the break. Dad, did you know that we had two fabulous groups that light up my life? Two amazing, wonderful wildflower sharing groups. If you want to get in on this great flower slash food slash friendship action, you can go to wantogrowonpod.com slash discord or wantogrowonpod.com slash group. Or for the Facebook group, you can search Want to Grow On on 
the Facebook searcher and you can find our group that way. Which is one to grow on pod friends for flowers, food, and fellowship. Fellowship? Fellowship. Friendship? <laughs> I don't know. There's lots of good chatter on the group, on the Discord and the group. Excellent chatter. Primo chatter. The Discord group is like my favorite push notification to ever get on my phone. That is a lot of fun. So you can go to wondergrownpod.com slash discord or wondergrownpod.com slash group to join us there. Thank you so much to our Starfruit patrons, Vikram, Lindsay, Mama Casey, Patrick, and Cheyenne. Thank you guys so much for your wonderfulness, generally. And for helping us keep our lights on. Yes, you guys are amazing, and we really appreciate all the support. Should we get back to the episode? Back to the episode. Dad, you got a nature fact for us? I do. So you are talking about cor- Hit me. corn mazes earlier. Corn mazes uh-huh. are, of course, made of corn. Fields of corn. True, true. A field of corn was featured in the movie Children of the Corn by Stephen King. And in the original theatrical trailer, Stephen King's name is spelled Stephen with a PH. But in the original theatrical trailer, they spelled it Stephen with a V. And I just thought that was funny. It's PH though, right? It's PH, not V. I have never, I think, read or seen any Stephen King thing, like media item. I saw Stand By Me, and I thought it was a pretty good movie. Um, That's Stephen King? Yeah. Yeah, it's a Stephen King book. But I thought Stephen King did, like, horror movies. Isn't that, like, a children's movie? It's definitely not a children's movie, but it's also not a horror movie. Um, It's a pretty good, I would say, coming-of-age movie that Mm -hmm. has some dark elements. Uh, Nothing horror-like, but it's based on a book he wrote called The Body. And it was a breakout movie for Will Wheaton, who mm-hmm. later ruined his career by joining Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, but it, it's a good movie. You should check it out. Uh, I've seen some other of his movies, like uh, I saw Maximum Overdrive, and I don't really remember it. I guess it was dumb or whatever. And I think I saw some scenes from Cujo, which terrified me. That's everything I remember. Interesting stuff. I mean, not really, but we had fun with it. I feel like there's a lot of corn in movies. I feel like more than any other crop, it really captures the imagination. I don't know why. I mean, it's the American landscape, right? You like you see it in Children of the Corn, Field of Dreams, all kinds of other stuff. You're driving down the highway in some uh, open flat land, and there are these rows of corn, and you sort of look out the window, and you see the rows going by really fast, and you can kind of... St- see the row of corn and you see down between the rows of corn and you see the row of corn and between the rows of corn really fast. And it's just this iconic ubiquitous thing for anyone that's ever driven through, you know, any agricultural part of America, I think. I guess that's true. I never really thought about that because, of course, I mean, you have like fields of alfalfa and like fields of hay and fields of soybeans. But I think you're right. Like it's that it's that like weird, like whipping visual of of the corn just like speeding by that like you don't get with those other crops like it's tall enough that you can't really see what's in there but you can also like see enough like with you know like a hay field you can't you can't really see in there at all it's just dense but with these with the corn you can kind of like see enough but not see everything maybe that's why yeah why you like really think about it and it i think it whips up these sort of you know romantic ideas of this world that most people have no idea about. 
Yeah. I mean, and bringing that back to agritourism, like that's a lot of what agritourism is about, is about like that nostalgia and romanticism. And like for, for, you know, good reasons, like I could definitely see myself after, you know, being in my house for two months and being, you know, a little bit, a little bit afraid and, you know, having these like existential feelings being like, I kind of just want to go like sit on a farm, like go get a rocking chair and like not think about anything and pretend that, you know, I'm just out in the wilderness surveying my fields, even though like, no, I don't, I don't actually want to become a farmer because that's like immensely challenging and I'm not interested in that, but I could totally see myself just going to sit on a farm and not do work. Oh, man, that would be so nice right now. Doesn't that sound great? That sounds great. Get a hammock under a shade tree, hear the wind blowing through the fields. be perfect. Yeah. You, you watch the chickens walk by or whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't need chickens in my peaceful fantasy. <laughs> I also, I mean, this is one, one area where I feel a little bit less connected to like the general... Um, perspective like I like living in small towns I like being in rural places and I know that there are a lot of people who don't like that at all Um, and like I'm in the city because this is where my job is and this is where my family is not because like it is where I would choose if I could choose anywhere in the world exactly like I would probably be in the in the wilds of some some backcountry somewhere just like sitting on a farm with with the little chickens and like chilling out um so yeah i i kind of wonder like what that experience is like for people who you know have this idea of it and then they actually go and experience it and i think that that's so dependent on like how able farms are to get into the heads of these like city people and actually i went to a conference in uh, january and there was a whole thing on agritourism and that's what they talk to the farmers a lot about is like you have to be able to think like an urban person to anticipate like what they will be expecting and what they will need to make themselves feel comfortable, um, which is like so interesting. That is interesting. That makes me think of European hotels and stuff, you know, trying to build out fixtures and accommodations to accommodate American tourists because that, you know, they have different expectations and I guess right. you know, a different environment, like but an sort ice of machine. similar way of thinking. Yeah. Or private bathrooms. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, very true. I guess just wrapping it up, uh, currently, more than half of all farm households in the U.S. have a negative farm income. So that comes back to, like, why do farms do this? It's not always because they want pedestrians underfoot, you know, getting in their way, but it's often because it can really bring in a lot of money that can help support the real work that they're doing. Um, sometimes, like... It's a very seasonal job, so having something in an off-season can be helpful, particularly if you have, like, an orchard where you still have some scenery for people to look at, but there's nothing really to do um, for, you know, a month or two. Uh, Then that's, you know, a really easy sell for a lot of farmers. And a lot of people also like to do it to, like, promote the sector. Um, I think that there's a pretty clear line you can draw between like the rise in agritourism and the rise in, you know, people caring about things like local food and regenerative food, food that's been sustainably grown. Um, having having that like connection and having this romantical idea of, you know, what a farm is and needing to preserve that farmland um, and like something being like pure or clean. I think that you can 
draw that connection from like this new thought of like, hey, we can market directly to people so much that they will want to come and stay on my dirty old farm to to you getting these price premiums from organic and local and stuff like that. Indeed. That boggles my mind when you say that more than half of all farm households have a negative income. So, wow. Yeah, I guess you got to find a way to innovate and stay afloat. Yeah. I mean, we've... We have talked a lot about the economics of farming on this show. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. A lot of farmers have off-farm jobs. So this one would, I don't know if it's counted as like an off-farm job. I think it would still be counted as an off-farm job. But you have a lot of people who do like part-time work in the city um, or have like an online job that they can do in the evenings after they're done. Um, You have a lot of people who need assistance from the government. Like it is not great paying work to do farming for the most part. So yeah, agritourism is a big part of that. Okay. Well, dang. Well, you know, I've never actually done a corn or hay maze, not at least not that I remember. So if I uh, if I go do one sometime, you come help me not get lost, all right? I would love that. I love a good maze. I love a good visit out to a farm. Let's go get some cider or other hot beverage next fall when the world is safe again and we can explore a hay maze. Or at least the illusion of safety, right? <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of One to Grow On. This show is hosted by me, Hallie Casey, and Chris Casey. It is produced by Catherine RJ and Hallie Casey. Our music is Something Elated by Broke for Free. Connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at One to Grow On Pod. You can find all of our episodes as well as more information about the show and the team on our website, onetogrowonpod.com. Join our community and learn more about each episode at patreon.com slash onetogrowonpod. There you can get access to audio extras, fascinating follow-ups, and even custom art created just for you. If you like the show, please share it with your friends. Sharing is the best way to help us reach more ears. Be sure to check out the next episode in two weeks. But until then, keep on growing. Bye, everybody.